Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right. Hey, Hope Church. What? Yes, thank you. I got, I got one person who's like, yeah, I'm awake. Come on. You've had your coffee. You are ready to go. It's 11 o'clock. You have no excuses. Um, all right. Well, hey, my name is Tim, and I'm part of the team here at Hope. And uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, it's great to meet you. Uh, today is a day where we close out a sermon series that we've been in for the last month, and it's called Scarred, What to Do When Life Hurts. And it's one of those sermon series, one of those times together for us that is sort of deep, um, not going to lie, sort of painful, but is one of those times that is so needed for us as human beings. How many of you have ever been in a place where you've been hurt before in any way, right? Like it's part of the human experience. Um, it's, it's what we experience in this life. And our ability to be able to navigate those hurt seasons oftentimes will determine um, how we see God, right? How we see each other, um, how we connect with one another as human beings. And so uh, especially in this year where we're coming um, on one side of the pandemic, I'm, I'm never going to say like we're coming out of the pandemic. Um, like, like because we were only going to be like not meeting uh, as a church for like a week. Right. Do you remember that? We're like, what do we do for the let's, let's plan for the next week? Let's do this. Um, and here we are. Here we are, uh, you know, months and months later. But we get to explore this time together. And if you haven't been with us, let me bring you up to speed. I don't want to assume that um, all of you know sort of what, what we've been doing over the, this last month. Maybe it's your first time here. And so um, I want to say welcome to all of you who are here for the first time. But um, so three Sundays ago, uh, I had the great privilege of opening this sermon series, and we are walking through the life of a guy named Job. And in the Bible, there is a letter, um, a, a writing um, called Job, and it's actually the oldest writing that we have in the Bible. In fact, if you were to organize the Bible chronologically, Job would be right on the first page. It would be the book you open to. And so it's the oldest written account that we have of God interacting with humanity. And there's so much power uh, in this story. And so we've been walking through this book of Job. And the very first Sunday, we explored this truth, that with God, there is always more to the story. And we looked at the first two chapters of Job. And in those first two chapters of Job, it did not go well for Job. If you don't know the story, uh, he was a wealthy man, lots of family, lots of possessions, lots of um, influence, and he was a good guy. Like he was legit part of the good guy group. You know, like you wanted Job on your side. He was, he was a good friend, a good father. He, he, he loved God. It was, Job was, was right where he needed to be, and yet God allowed some tough times to come in his life. And he lost in a moment, in the span of a single conversation, he lost all of his kids, um, all of his wealth. Um, he lost it all. 
And we, we explored this truth that with God, there is always more to the story. That was the first two chapters of the book. The next, like, 30-plus chapters are all about Job wrestling it out. And isn't it appropriate that, like, the first, like, like when the boom gets lowered, that's a moment, but then the recovery from that moment takes a long time. Can you relate? You know what I'm talking about? Like, so it's, and so Pastor Danny drew the straw on that Sunday. And so that second Sunday, he taught through that. And he reminded us of this truth, that it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to go through it alone. We talked about the value of community and being with each other in these difficult, hard times. And then Chris, last Sunday, Chris got up and he unpacked the side of the story where God replies to Job. We get close to the end of the book of Job. God speaks up and he speaks directly to Job and he tells Job, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I am and this is where you fit into the picture. And He begins to help Job realign his perspective. How many of you know that we need to be realigned in our perspective all the time? Can, can I tell you a secret? Do you, do you want to know a secret today? Sunday mornings is all about realigning. That is, this is what we do. We come together. And in, in fact, we call this the pregame. We come together to realign with Jesus. Why? Because we drift every day. It's our nature to drift away from God. And so we come here on Sundays to realign with Jesus, his love, his life, his ways, so that Monday through Saturday, we can jump into the game. That's game time. Sunday is not game time. This is, this is huddle up time for us as a team Monday through Saturday is game time where we put it into action and we live out this life of following Jesus. Well, this is what uh, uh, God was doing with Job. He was helping him realign with who he was. Job needed to be reminded that God is who God is and he's above it all for a reason and that he has our best interests in mind. And Chris did this amazing thing with us at the end of his message. He led us through a three-step response. When it comes to your pain, Leaning in, not away from your pain. Don't push away from the pain. Lean into that pain. Embrace it for what it is. Feel the hurt. Feel the emotions. Chris said, if you have emotions, feel them. And then let them go. You have that ability to embrace it and let it go. Let it go. And it was a powerful powerful moment where he reminded us that some of us have held on long enough and it's time to let go. So Job's life is devastated. He's in the messy middle with his friends. He hears from God. Now what's left? What's left is Job's response. And so he's talking to God now. And the first Sunday I took you through the first chapter of Job. I'm now going to take you through the last chapter of Job. We're going to pull it all together. Those of you who like things all clean, nice, and tidy, you're going to enjoy some aspects of this. Um, so we're going to be in Job chapter 42. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. You can also just watch the screen. If you don't have one, we'll have the words up there. 
And we're going to be exploring this truth. In Job chapter 42, as we close the series, God is going to remind us of this powerful truth. He's going to remind us, and you're going to see it up here on the screen, that God has a purpose for your scars. And some of us just need to sort of rest in that truth just for a moment. Like, I don't want to just quickly move past that. God has a purpose for your scars. That are wounded, that are scabbed over, God has a purpose for your scars. And Job chapter 42 is going to walk us through how God has a purpose for your scars, what he does, how he does that. You're going to be able to walk out of here today with a renewed sense of not only God's presence in your life, but the fact that even the hurt places of your life have purpose and meaning. God doesn't waste anything. Anything. And you're like, ah, I just want to get past this hard time. Yes, me too. But God doesn't waste it. He doesn't waste it. He has a purpose for that, and he wants you to see that purpose here today. Are you ready? Here we go. Job 42, verse 1. Then Job replied to the Lord, Yours can be thwarted. You asked God, this is Job saying, God, you asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? How, how many of you have children that speak to you like they hold all the knowledge in the world? You know what I'm saying? No, my parents are here. They just raised their hand. That just messed me up. They're, they're visiting from Florida. My mom was like, yeah, I do. You know what I'm talking about. You have kids who literally know everything there is to know on this planet, right? God says this to Job. He says, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely, Job says, I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. God, you said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will answer me. Do, do you then have, do you ever have this moment with your kids? Like, I hear you. Now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to listen to me right now, and I'm going to tell you some things you might not know. Right? Have you ever had that conversation with your kids? <clears throat> My kids are in the room right now. Some of them. My ears had heard of you, Job says, but now my eyes have seen you. Some of you might be at that point in your life, and Chris talked about this so beautifully last Sunday. There's a difference about when it comes to hearing of God and seeing God, right? Some of you have only heard about God but some of you have seen God. And when you see God, everything changes. Everything changes when you see God. This is what Job knows. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Now, this word despise 
Chris talked about this last Sunday too. This word despise is an unfortunate English translation of the original language. It comes across like I hate myself. I repent in dust and ashes, and that's not at all what Job is saying. What Job means here, what the original language is, is it's, it's, a, it's a putting, intentionally putting yourself back so that something else can be put forward. In this case, Job, I, Job puts himself back in his, his limited view of God and puts God in the front. God, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I put myself into the place of, 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 of assuming that I knew about you. I intentionally take a few steps back and allow you to be front and center. That's what he means by that. So here's the first thing that we see, the first thing that we learn about God giving purpose to our scars. The first thing that we learn is this, that God will use your scars to change you as a person. It starts with you. Job is a changed man. He's a changed man after his encounter with God. Job is a man that now says, God, I see how significant you are and how much greater you are. I'm reminded of that, God. He, he, he makes statements in here like, I spoke of things I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me to know. He has a self-awareness now that he has little knowledge, right? It's a beautiful place you come to in your life when you know how much you don't know. The older I get, the more that I'm aware of how much I don't know, right? I, I don't know how many of you can relate to that. Job was changing as a man. He was changing as a man. He was, lit, he was, he was learning to put God in front in new ways and put himself in this rightful place, right? He's learning these things. You and I get to learn and grow and develop and become through the challenges. This is the, this is the truth of God uh, using our scars. It's that he allows us to go through things so that we can become something and someone on the other side. There are things in your life that you will only learn through the hurt and through the scars. I know that's true in my life, and I know from talking to a lot of you that it's true in your life. You get a new perspective. You get a new appreciation. You learn more of how the world works and how people work and how God works. All of that comes through the challenge, through the struggle, right? A lot of us like to turn away from the, from the struggle. We, we, like, we like to push away from the struggle instead of leaning into it like Chris talked about last Sunday. And here's what God knows. If you will lean into the struggle... You will experience things. There will be fruit that you will never have had unless you had done that. Um, you know, I think about um, this, this last week. We had, um, we had uh, Micah, our, our son, our, our son who's a senior, graduated from Aptos High School. Um, he's, he's right here in the room. He graduated Aptos on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, and, and some of his friends, like they they graduated too, and um, and the and the rest of everybody. Sorry to make you clap three times, and the rest of all the other graduates. Um, yeah, I got one clap. There we go. All right, for all the other graduates. But um, we uh, 
we, we were going through, my parents came, and my mom made for Micah this, this scrapbook. And it, it goes, I think, I think, I'm not exaggerating when I say, there's a page for every day in his life in this scrapbook. <laughs> like, like, like she comes in and she's like, hey, hey oh, I'm, uh, Micah, she's all casual about it. Hey, Micah, I made, I made you, I made you a, little, a little something. She puts the book down on the desk and it's like, you know, it's like that big. You know, and we like flip open the first cover and we can't even see, you know, uh, what, what the first page is. We have to like put it on the ground and like flip it up and, you know, look at the thing. It's amazing. I don't know how long that thing took to make, but it took a long time. A lot of pictures. All kinds of like his life story from birth to, you know, last week. One of the best parts about that was Micah grew up in the era of when Justin Bieber was just coming into his own. So, you know, Justin Bieber, he had, when he was first coming on, he had that hairstyle that was like, there was no part, there was no, like, there was no, you couldn't tell where it, like, began and where it ended. It was just, like, one big swoop that went around his head. It was like this, like, thing. And um, Micah pulled it off. He was able to do it. He pulled it off. Uh, we looked at some of those pictures where I'm holding him as a baby, and I actually had hair, you know? Like, like it's... It's amazing to look. There, there are lots of things like old hairstyles and clothing styles and things that we would love to take back, wouldn't we? God would tell us that every single thing that I've allowed you to be a part of is there for a purpose and a reason, and I'm changing you as a person. Who you are right now will change as you go through these things. In, in church, you know, theological, you know, pastor land, we talk about this word. We use this word. It's a fancy sound theological word, and it's the word sanctification. It means becoming more like Jesus. In your life, as you follow Jesus, you should become more like him. You should be changing as a person. Sometimes that will only come through the challenges. In fact, in the New Testament, it says it like this. James 1, James is the brother of Jesus. He says it like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, this word joy in the original language actually means favor. One, one facet of that word is favor. Consider it pure favor. Consider it the highest Favor you can get from God when you face trials. And you're like, Tim, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through right now. And you're right. I don't know what it, you're going through. But I've gone through some stuff as well in my life. I know what it's like to be on the, on the downside looking up at everything. Right? Consider it God's your favor in your life when you experience hard times. Why? Look, because you know that the testing of your faith produces something. It produces perseverance. And with perseverance, it will finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many of you want to be in a place where you're not lacking anything? 
God says, my highest favor to you is to go through trials and challenges so that you can experience the amazing taste, the fruits of not lacking anything. So how many of you like a mushy apple? Anybody? Yeah, that's right. You're not, you're not courageous enough to raise your hand. All the sick people like mushy apples. You know what I'm saying? You ever bite into a mushy apple, and you're like, what the heck? I, this is nasty, right? You throw this away? Listen, uh, let, me, let me see who, who my new best friends are going to be. How many of you like a Fuji apple? Yes. Right, the immediate hand back there, a couple, couple hands in here. Yes, 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 yes. Fuji, I see that hand. I see that hand. Um, a Fuji apple is crisp. I put mine in the fridge, and I cut those. I cut that apple, and uh, and I take out my raw almond butter from Trader Joe's. You know what I'm saying? Crunchy, and uh, amen. I get an amen over here. Hallelujah! And I take that out, and I spread that on that cold apple, and it's crisp. And I put that thing in my mouth. I just had one this morning. I'm already hungry for it again. It's so good. Going with that? Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no mushy apples, right? Oh, fruit, fruit. That's where I was going with that. Fruit. The fruit of your hard times is a faith that produces perseverance, that produces a life that lacks nothing. It's a life that you eat of that Fuji apple, and it is so amazing. And you're like, God, this is so good. I can't believe you would give this to me. God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, that's hard to do in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in all literal senses of the word, okay, that I'm about ready to use, I'm just prefacing it. You know, when your life is literally going to hell, you're not like, mm, oh, God, this is so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? Job didn't do that either. But as he went through it and he heard from God and he changed as a man, he began to do that. He began to say to God, it's good. I didn't know it was good, but it's good. All right, we got to keep going, guys. All right, here we go. Let's pick it up in verse 7. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends. These are the friends of Job. If you haven't uh, been with us uh, in the other messages, his friends were a little helpful, but mostly unhelpful. I'm angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me, and my servant Job has. So now, take seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. You notice that God repeated that? Like, just in case, boys, you missed it? Yeah, I am not happy. But Job will pray for you. So Eliphaz the Temanite. Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. That's the hardest part of my day right there. Uh, 
did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Now watch this. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. After he prayed for his friends. And the, and the story, the, the, the chapter 42 never says that God told Job, I'm going to send your friends to you and I want you to pray for them. This was Job's decision. After he prayed for his friends, God restored him. Can I just say something right here and now for you? Some of you are in a place where you have genuine hurt in your life at the hands of other people. And it, I know, it, it's bad. You know, those people should have never done that to you. Some of you have had friends who have just stabbed you in the back. Some of you have had parents that allowed things to happen to you, even as kids, that they should have never done. They should have protected you. I'm not minimalizing, trivializing the, the hurt, and, the, and I'm not trying to offer you a simplistic solution to it. But there are things in your life that God will only do when you go to him in prayer for forgiveness on behalf of those people. Like, like some of you, the, 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 the only thing that you should hear from my mouth today is that you need to go to God in prayer and you need to give that over to God and say, God, I don't know what you're going to do with those people. I don't know what that even looks like for them. I'm not involved there. I'm not saying go to them and be reconciled. I'm saying go to God and be reconciled. Go to God and ask forgiveness on their behalf. God, I release them. And in, and in any, any way that I know how, I, I want to I want to give this up to you because there are things in, in, your, in your life that God is holding back because you're holding on. As soon as Joe prayed for his friends, he started experiencing restoration. This is a powerful truth in the story of Job. All right, but I don't have time to go any, any deeper into that. Let's keep going. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the troubles the Lord had brought on him. Now remember, the Lord didn't bring any troubles on Job. God is not the author of your pain. God allowed some things to happen to Job, but he didn't author them. But his family was still in their process, right? They, I love that, that, that the author includes this in here. They, they, they were not yet farther along in their understanding. They were not quite as enlightened as Job in this way, but that's okay. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. Watch this. Not only does God change use your scars to change you as a person, he uses your scars to impact a community. So it's beginning to work outside of yourself. It's beginning to ripple impact right now. So when your scars are being used by God. Here's what happens. You, be, you become changed as a person, and then the people around you start to feel the impact of that change. 
all of a sudden, they, they're like, whoa, what's up with you, man? Why do you always have a smile on your face? You know, my family came through a really, really rough time. I'll tell you more about it in just a second. But someone just said to one of us, Nicole and I, we were having dinner, hey, I feel like I, I've, I've seen you truly smile for the first time in a long time. They noticed it. They noticed the difference. The people around you need to see the change that God is bringing about through your scars. They need to see it. I need what God is doing through you in your scars. I need you. Because I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing. And so when, when, when I can share in your journey, as God begins to bring purpose to your scars, I'm being changed. Um, just a little while ago, my friend Barney, who's over here, it looked like he was sort of drifting, so I wanted to mention his name. <laughs> bring him back. Bring him back in. He gave me a copy of his book. If you've ever read Barney's book, it's not about a big dinosaur, by the way. You need to get Barney's book that tells the story of the challenges he went through and how God met him in that. I needed to read about Barney's scars because it's changing me as a person. My view of God is shifting. My own scars are, are being put in perspective. I'm, I'm seeing things that I need to see that I can only learn through his scars. And you know what? You need my scars. You need to hear God's story through my scars because God's going to do something in you through the things that he's allowed me to be a part of. God doesn't want to just change you as a person. He wants to impact a community. Ah, but there's more. Let's keep reading. We're going to finish out this chapter. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. He had 14,000 sheep. By the way, this is not a formula for success. Right? Job's, Job's outcome is not your outcome specifically. Okay? Don't let anybody ever teach you that. By the way, if you ever hear somebody teaching the Bible and and they say, you want to increase your wealth and your, you know, whatever, here's what God will do. That's, this is not a formula for how to get rich in God's kingdom. 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, and she was an aunt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, I needed that in that moment. The second, Keziah, and the third, Karen. Look, there's Karen. Karen. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. You want to know proof that Job is a transformed man, that he's been enlightened, that his experience with God has brought about something in his life? You didn't give an inheritance to your daughters in those days. Daughters were at the whim of the inheritance their brothers got. Job, though, had an encounter with God, and he was changed. 
And the result of that change, one result of that change, was that his daughters got an inheritance along with his sons. Mm. I could go on about that. But I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it with you right here because I've got some more stuff to talk about and not enough time, but I'll leave that there with you. After this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man full of years. God will not only change you as a person, he will not only impact a community through your scars, but God will echo hope throughout the generations through your story, through your scars. You want proof? You're like, yeah, Tim, I don't know about that. I'm not really like a generational like change maker. You want proof? Job never got a why from God on why he went through what he went through. He never found out. God, to our knowledge, God never told him why he went through what he went through. Do you know that generations later, you are part of God's why? In 2021, in Santa Cruz, California, at Hope Church, God is speaking to you through the story of Job. His story of hope echoes throughout the generations all the way to this moment right now. And your story will too. Your kids and your community and your grandkids and your... It doesn't matter if you have kids or don't have kids. You have people around you. Your story, and especially you're part of a faith community where we want to know your story, your known story will echo throughout the generations. It's how God designed it. Let let me give you a, a little more proof. So June marks five years since my family moved from Atlanta, Georgia, Santa Cruz, California. There couldn't be maybe two more opposite places. And we moved here. I I haven't shared this story with you, um, you know, from up here, mainly just because it hasn't been, you know, hasn't fit. Um, But I I think God would have me to share this story with you today. We moved here because God had called me and my family, Nicole and our kids, to pastor a church here in Santa Cruz County a historic church, over 100 years old. And we were brought in to to lead the church in a very specific direction. Now, the direction, I'll, I'll, I'll describe it like this. The direction that God called us, was calling us to lead uh, in the direction of, um, and, I, and I want you to sort of put this right over here, okay? You see it? You're going to put it right over here. Um, the vision that God had given us was, was exactly what you experienced here at Hope Church. We didn't know about Hope Church, but it was exactly everything you experienced, the reason why you're here, that was our vision for what God brought us here to Santa Cruz County to do, all right? So that's over here. Save this for later. 18 months in, the church leadership decided they didn't want to go that direction anymore. And truth be told, I couldn't lead them in the direction they wanted to go. I was called to be a part of a movement 
of people that expanded the kingdom, not just throughout our community, but to the world. I couldn't lead in, 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 this, in, in this environment that was not called to that. And 18 months in, we were told, you're no longer a fit here. And in the middle of the second semester of school, we had to pull our kids out of school, move up to the East Bay where God opened up a sort of a landing place for us. And it was brutal. Um, you know, when your kids come to you and they wonder about the hurt that they're experiencing, that they're feeling at the hands of people they loved and trusted, and you're trying to help them reconcile the human experience with the love of God, it's hard, right? It's hard. And we went through the depths. Man, it was brutal, brutal. God opened up a fantastic ministry for me to serve with, and, and, um, and I represented the ministry throughout the entire western United States of America. And so when our daughter graduated school up in um, uh, El Cerrito, Berkeley area, we, um, we could move anywhere we wanted to live in the entire western half of the United States. So many great cities, right? So many great communities. And we moved back here. And, and people questioned us and said, why? Why would you go back to the place of hurt? Why would, you, why would you go back to that place? Like, there's so many great places to live. Why would you go back there? And our only answer was, there's unfinished kingdom of God business that we have there in that place. And so we came back. And how many of you could say this next sentence with me? This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you could say this next sentence with me? And then we sat down with Danny and Jenny Bennett. Right? They've impacted us just like they've impacted you. And they gave us a place to heal and a place to land and a place to plug in. And we soon came to find out that this vision, this thing that we're now a part of, is, is the vision God gave to us. And, and, and all along, we're, we're getting to experience exactly what we had hoped and dreamed about. But we had to go through hell to get to it. And now, now, our oldest is, is finishing up Cabrillo and she's going into med school in part because she wants to help people because of the pain she experienced in that season. Our middle son, Micah, who just graduated, is going to school to become a pastor of all things. God help him. <laughs> and our youngest son, Jake, is the one who plays up here on the keyboards every Sunday. This amazing young man who has a strong head on his shoulders. God has restored and he has redeemed and we've learned afresh that God is still in the business of doing what he says he will do because he is who he says he is. 
God will not only change you as a person and impact a community, it will echo through the generations. And for all of their lives, my children will tell the story. And their kids will know. And the story lives on. The story of hope. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.